Welcome to Anarchists and Androids. I am your host, Logar the Barbarian, joined by my co-host, Parenthesis I. Welcome. Uh, hello, everyone. How are you today? Oh, yeah, yeah, pretty, pretty good. Pretty happy to be talking about Triangle of Sadness. <laughs> Triangle of Sadness. Yep. Such a sad movie. And you you brought this up. I had never even heard of this film until huh. you mentioned and suggested it. And uh, I'm really glad you suggested it. I've seen it like three times now this week. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I, I've only seen it once, but and I heard of this movie because of it being one of the films nominated for Best Picture for oh. the Academy Awards this year. I would like it to win best. Have the Academy Awards happened? Oh no, it's going to be in March. March. Okay, so I, I know which one. I, which one I'm voting for? Oh, Top Gun Maverick. Oh, no! <laughs> I, I haven't even seen the first one. <laughs> wow! Wow, the original Top Gun. I saw that when I was a little kid. I did not. <laughs> no. I did not watch that movie growing up. Yeah. There's quite a few that were pretty big that I didn't. But anyways, I did see triangle of sadness and i love this movie wow i don't even know where to start it, it, it's it, it it's uh it's a very uh it has a sort of uh psychedelic marxist vibe to it oh yeah yeah and, <laughs> and definitely some feminist qualities too you know because a matriarchal society is established at the end yeah there's definitely stuff about gender race being said in here class they nail home class better than than I've I've seen in most films. I'm yeah. just gonna, I'm just gonna put that they they nail the class issue better than most films do. And there's a huge montage scene that's just absurd. Where uh, spoilers are plenty ahead, <laughs> <laughs> where the wealthy are just wallowing in their own shit and vomit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And, and being some... tossed around by the storm too that the boat is in. <laughs> and Woody Harrelson in the the uh, is the American capitalist, or I'm sorry, the American communist, talking to the Russian capitalist, and they have a whole discussion on on communism, Marxism, socialism, capitalism. Yeah. And it, I, yeah, in the middle of the night on the intercom of this ship that's in a storm. It's drunk. amazing. <laughs> it's amazing. While people wallow in their own feces. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I've never seen that on TV. Yeah. <laughs> I'll just leave it there. <laughs> that really happened in the movie. So anyways, yeah. it starts off, you get a look at, it's looking at various forms of stratification. Uh, class systems, gender-based, uh, a lot of the gender-based stuff, though, too, as well. A lot of this stuff is very much shows how it's related and comes back to that money, that capital, those necessities. And what's brilliant about all this is they take us onto this luxury cruise cruise yacht where the super wealthy are being weighted on hand and foot. Yes, by the folks, the folks who make everything go around, the workers. Yeah, but even they are divided between like the white color and the blue color or like the white people and the people of color. Right. And so like it's the white staff, that are like the waiters and waitresses and all that. And then like the people of color are like doing work in the engine room and cooking and cleaning and all that. It very, very, very accurately reflects stratification of race and class. And how those intersect and how those work out in our day-to-day -day working lives under capitalism. 
It yeah. really does. It's a great example of that. And you see it there where you have the ultra rich and the working class. And there's a lot of odd, interesting scenes. One scene, I'm going to skip the entire front front portion because we talk a little <laughs> bit about, we talk a little bit about, um, it talks a little bit about, a lot about like, a, there's there's a couple who are, I guess, models and influencers and they're the form of stratification that they are, uh, I guess, the capital that they have access to would be more social capital than necessarily yeah. financial capital. And that is kind of pointed out uh, in in the movie as well as they're talking to yeah. the Russian capitalists who asks how much money is that like well we get free things we got a free ship on the boat <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah it's and the, I've heard it described as what was it uh, beauty as currency and so like this like beautiful couple you know <laughs> are just like using their their beauty for money basically and for social media capital and it's not too different from any of the other workers who are using what they have you know the, those capitalists want that young vital strength youth beauty they want to use that up once they use it up they don't have any more use for you when you get old <laughs> as oh, long yeah. as they have their money and they can pay anybody to do whatever they want i i want to i want to go to a scene in there though at the pool i i found the pool scene very compelling oh is are you referring to like the mandatory mandatory <laughs> where everybody like the, was ordered to go yeah and bathe yeah, there's this this uh one of the Russian uh, capitalist's wife is, is speaking to one of the workers and talking about I, I was just born into this life. Uh, we're all equal. I believe we're all equal. As the dynamic <laughs> of actually not being equal is on display as she's saying this. She's oh, asking this me. young woman. She's like, "What do you wish for? What do you want?" Well, she wants them to swim, and she starts becoming pretty insistent that their fun is going to, oh, no, no. And she's pushing this idea that she is, oh, having a moment with the people. Kind of all in her, kind of all in her head. It very, very much a kind of dynamic I've run into with some rich folks here and there. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, and she kind of, like, enacts this, like, mandatory fun for all the staff there. <laughs> and it reminds me of, like, all, like, mandatory parties and stuff at workplaces that are total bullshit. And not fun at all. It's just another thing that you have to do. <laughs> and, and some somebody with money somewhere is smiling ear to ear, super thrilled that they went ahead and sprung to have a food truck bring you a fried Twinkie. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. oh, and the irony, you know, like I only realized it later on, is that like because all the staff had to go into the pool and have mandatory fun, that resulted in the food they were cooking getting spoiled, which created the food poisoning in that big dramatic scene. Yes, as as everybody's being gathered up, she commands them to swim. Is there anything you wish? Uh, she she asks, "Is there anything you wish for?" And then her jump is, "Oh, you just want to swim? This fun swim? <laughs> I want all of that the staff to go for a swim." She says, "I want you to all go for a swim." And like you said, that they, they went for the kitchen staff and the and the the head. I guess the sous chef, the head cook in there is like, "Yeah, all the, the food's gonna be." ruined <laughs> like <laughs> like this this we're following the dictates of the the petty whims of this billionaire why because they have money and we want the stinking money so that we can pay our mortgages our rent our you know have food <laughs> things like that just meet the basic needs so you're stuck under the power of capital yeah yeah totally yeah 
And and it's interesting. You also have like the the captain um, played by Woody Harrelson. You know, also a self described anarchist, <laughs> great guy. <laughs> and, and like uh, he plays like th- this drunken, cynical Marxist guy. And like it, it, when you first meet him, like he refuses to leave his room. He just wants to stay in his cabin and drink all the time. I, I don't think he was drunk. I think he was stoned. Oh, or how about both? <laughs> <Why not? laughs> I might have been a little drunk. So I think he was stoned. There's yeah. a little bit of. A little bit of a bit of smoky air coming through there. They told him to get a little nap. I kind of got the impression he was just smoking one. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think like the real life Woody Harrelson's known to be like a pot smoker. Yeah, I, I, I'm not gonna lie. I, I I really I hate to say it. I've never been the biggest Woody Harrelson fan, but I freaking love him in this movie. And I really like empathize with his character for some reason. <laughs> yeah. Oh, totally. And like this viewing the whole thing is bullshit and stuff. And he even like openly admits it to everybody on the intercom. You know, I, I don't believe in any of this stuff. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, but like, it, like he also like he makes a decision at one point, like to have like the big formal dinner beyond a night that there's a storm that's going to happen. <laughs> so it's like the, the storm and, you know, which is tossing the boat around as well as like the food that was poisoned, you know, spoiled because of the the mandatory fun in the pool that resulted in the perfect storm, so to speak. Right. <laughs> where where everybody gets food poisoning and everyone gets sick. What's brilliant about it, too. So after all of this this hoopla on the boat where we've exposed this class divide and everything. They, they are shipwrecked on a, on a desert Island, which is like, you didn't mention the pirates. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well the pirates attack first. (laughs) Yeah. And not only that, like this one wealthy couple that gets their, uh, it's discovered that they, they got their money through like selling weapons, you know, to militaries and insurgent groups around the world. Like, one of the pirates throws a grenade that lands on that wealthy couple and kills them and sinks the ship. The wealthy couples, the arms dealers, yeah. our products have been employed in upholding democracy all over the world. It's a family business, he said. Yeah. <laughs> it is a family business. It's their rich ass family's business. Yeah. And when they see the grenade, they're like, hey, isn't this one of ours? <laughs> oh. Yeah, so they get blown up by one of their own grenades, which is fitting and kind of satisfying to see. Yeah, yeah. What's what's interesting about the desert island scenario is is so many times when you're talking about how we about this society we're building, uh, especially when you're talking about things like capitalism, as we bring up the desert island scenario. So they went there; they just did the desert island scenario. They said, "Okay, here's the obscene wealth and reality of what it is now." They talked about it a bit. And they threw them on the desert island. And the rich and powerful wealthy uh, were about as useful as they are in our society now, (laughs) only without the power that they wield, the money. So they were pretty much just worthless parasites still. Just like they are now. <laughs> they said they move some like you know branches around and stuff. Yeah, they move some, so, so the actual worker, the woman, the one woman who is who actually the reason I brought this up was the, the big fancy dinner they had. What they have for dinner? They had octopus. Oh yeah, well they had that all kinds of and fancy stuff. Like and it kind of reminded me. Uh, there were a number of ways that this reminded me of the menu. And so like the fancy dishes they had remind me of that. And then also the captain too. You know he had a, a hamburger and fries just yeah. like in the menu. They bring the food out and he says, "I'm not a fan of fine dining." <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. As, as they eat their octopus nose. Now I want to point out the fact that they were serving octopus there and they had all those octopuses that they were pulling out and cooking up. 
What was the big meal that she 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 fished out of the ocean for them and cooked up when they got to their deserted island? Oh yeah, oh the, it was the octopus. <laughs> yeah, oh that was so when they were stranded. It was like a lady that was like a cleaning lady, a Filipino worker lady named Abigail, mm-hmm. and it turns out like this she has all these skills about like fishing and like preparing food, you know, fish and octopus and such. And then also starting, starting fire. fire. Yeah. To start a fire. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So then Abigail then becomes like the leader of this group because she's the only one that has practical skills. And and there was, there was just the, uh, the, the uselessness of the wealthy because they don't know how to, like, if something goes wrong, they pay someone to do it. They can't deal with, they don't do it. They don't actually do the work that we do, the working class. Yeah. And it's on display here. And I love it. Now, I want to go back to the discussion, though, because I wrote down a large portion of it. The, the oh, discussion wow. during the, the scene. So this this whole thing in the center of the film is, uh, well, you describe what happens at the dinner. The food's bad. They're in the Rocky Captain's dinner. <laughs> oh, yeah, because of the storm going on outside. So it, everything's being tossed around and stuff. And so people are feeling nauseous because of the food poisoning and because of the boat rocking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so people begin like to like vomit and stuff and be uneasy and like starting to leave. And so eventually panic ensues and such. And I think eventually like the the lights go out, too, because of like the storm that they're in. Yeah, there's a various host. The ship is essentially the ship is not well. The ship is definitely seems like, well, I think the ship might be sinking soon. And it's brought up at some point in time. It isn't. It it does eventually. (laughs) (laughs) Because of a grenade. Yeah. No, but they they say it on the intercom because like the Dimitri, the Russian oligarch and the captain, uh, they get drunk and they lock themselves in the room that has the intercom. And so they have their like discussion about yeah, <laughs> discussion about capitalism and communism. And it's interesting because you got you've got all these people represented. You've got the working class in there. You know, you got you got the entire mixings of our nation. We'll say inside of one boat, it represented some way, for some extent. You've got this little microcosm of our society, and you've got these people. Like the one woman comes up. And when she comes in and sees the captain, she complains about the sails because the sails are dirty, despite the fact that the boat doesn't actually have any sails. But <laughs> these people aren't being used to being challenged when they're wrong, just like yeah. the wealthy. And they continue to insist on their absurdities. And everybody's struggling to try to make these wealthy people fucking happy because they got money, right? Yeah. As the ship is going down. Yeah, <laughs> this is not you can't be any you can't be any as as it comes for analogies. I don't think I can be any clearer that this is essentially where we're at now. This movie yeah. is brilliant. It says, hey, look, we've got a problem. Something's not working. The ship is going to looks like it's going to sink and all hell's blown gone loose. People are wallowing in vomit. People are wallowing in shit. The wealth are wallowing in their own shit and vomit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and they and he says they begin this back and forth of 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 socialism that I I, I wrote down most a large portion of it. I have to read. Wow. <laughs> the the Russian capitalist begins with you know how to tell a, a communist it's someone who reads Marx and Lenin. Do you know how to tell an anti communist it's someone who understands Marx and Lenin. Ronald Reagan. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) To which, to which Woody Harrelson's American communist replies, never argue with an idiot. They'll only bring you down to their level and beat you with experience from Mark Twain. (laughs) 
<laughs> and they go at this back and forth of these, especially the capitalist is using these like very redundant, over-recited phrases that folks have heard a million times coming up in a capitalist country. Socialism only works in heaven where they don't need it and hell where they already have it. His, his next response. And then, then, uh, then Woody Harrelson's American communist comes back with growth for the sake of growth is an ideology of ca a cancer cell. Oh, Edward Abbey, an anarchist. <laughs> Edward <laughs> Abbey. <laughs> we go over to a, to a Margaret Thatcher quote, one that we've all heard. The problem with socialism is you eventually run out of other people's money. And he simply responds with the last capitalist we hang will be the one who sold us the ropes. Marks. <laughs> then uh, we get a Kennedy quote from the capitalist. The most powerful force in the world today is man's desire to be free and independent. Which we get the final quote of the quote off. Freedom in capitalist society remains about as it is in ancient Greece. Freedom for the slave owners to which the Russian capitalist immediately knows who this quote is attributed to as he was born and raised in the USSR, which was Va Vladimir Lenin. <laughs> oh, yeah. And then as the Russian capitalist and anarchist, uh, the American communist, I'm sorry, are going back and forth on a $250 million luxury yacht, they point out. <laughs> uh, they begin to play a game of red or black, which I thought was appropriate. Oh, red and black. Yeah, the anarchist colors. <laughs> he would throw a card. Down, he would pull a card out and the capitalists would have to guess. And if he was wrong, if it was red or black, if he was wrong, you'd have to drink. And they went through the... So they were just completely smashed and playing on the on the, on the intercoms. And, uh, and, and what was the one, the one wonderful thing that it said on the intercom? The new owner of the ship is speaking, says the capitalist. He now claims ownership of the ship. <laughs> <laughs> so let's note this, that the rich man now claims that he owns the ship. And the communist captain has set course to Cuba. <laughs> we want to discuss politics with you. <laughs> <laughs> I can't lie. That was one of the most amazing things I've seen on television. And then they just lean into it and continue the discussion. He says he calls him a communist. And of course, the reply from Woody Harrelson is, I'm not a communist. I'm a Marxist. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which, you know, I empathize with that to some extent. <laughs> Yeah, it's more like peer to like the writings and the theory of Marx and like less talking about like the, the states that use the word communist. Yeah, so I, I, I appreciated that and and where Woody Harrelson's character was coming from in a lot of this. Well, then he well, like another spoiler for the audience. Uh, that character dies, though, like Woody Harrelson. They kind of imply that he's one of the people yeah. that perishes when the, the ship goes down. A lot of people go down and die. A lot of them don't make it. There's only a handful that make it to the island when they actually get the island. Including uh, the Russian uh, capitalist guy. Well, he <laughs> but he's useless on the island, but he survives. But his wife dies. 
Yeah, the Russian capitalist, he lives, he's he's pretty much a useless sod, just like most capitalists are in our society. Mm-hmm. And it's and it re- reveals how much use they are to society. Like, let's just be honest. Like they 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 a capitalist doesn't isn't able to care for themselves most of the time because they have someone else doing those things for them. And when it comes down to doing basic tasks that most folks have to know, the capitalist doesn't have to know it. But when you end up on a desert island, when suddenly your money is useless, how are you going to eat? Because everybody's been cooking for you. Everybody's been finding your food for you and bringing it to you because you got those little dollar bills that we don't have. And that power's gone. <laughs> yeah. And so then on the island, like everything is like turned upside down. And so like the, the woman of color, working class woman becomes like the matriarch, the person that's in charge of the society. And like the handsome young white man becomes the sex slave, basically, to Abigail, the, the new ruler of that society. And uh, essentially, yeah, it would make sense that that working class woman would be the one who knows how to do the most, probably had to do the most, most of her life for herself, because most working class folks aren't paying somebody else to do it. (laughs) But anyhow, so I loved it. The scenes in here, every single moment from the beginning of this movie to the end, Every time I watch it, it's meticulously thought through how he's presenting things. I I I I can't express that enough. You could write paper after paper off of this thing. Yeah. <laughs> you took the time, went through it. Yeah, it is nominated for the best original screenplay for as one of the categories in the Academy Awards. Oh, I love it. I'm glad. I hope it wins. It's one of the best films I've seen in forever. It's yeah. a, it's a top film for me at this point. And the, at the beginning, when it starts off, it's interesting because you have the young model man. He's the the pretty guy, and they they're doing this whole. They're they're having they're they're going through a what is it a. Uh, oh, like a photo shoot or audition or yeah auditions, yeah, yeah. and he and he's auditioning for things and oh, and his name is it? Carl too. Like what's so kind of a nod to Carl Marx. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even put that two and two together. Yeah. So he's and he's doing the auditions, and they're they're having it like they're making a difference between the brands, and they're pointing out a difference in the class with the brands from the beginning there, like there's a higher end brand that doesn't smile. It just takes things seriously. And then there's a probably more uh, upper middle class brand, I would say type of thing where they're smiling and hanging out and Hey buddy. So you're seeing the switch of how they're portraying it. They're kind of pulling out the fakeness of this world that we're being marketed even when they get to the ship for the first meal, the young woman who is the influencer, the model, who's the boyfriend of the the one going through all of these, the first thing she does is she says, "Oh, I don't eat, I can't eat gluten," but she takes her picture with a big old plate of pasta. To yeah, post and, and not, not actually going to eat it, but just like taking photos with it. And she even at one point too, like they have an argument in the restaurant in the beginning, and uh, she kind of reveals that they're only together just for like social media likes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, it's a, a very transactionary uh, relationship. In fact, there, there's a lot of it talked about early on when we start getting getting into the money side of things again. They talk a lot about the income level of both of the models, and talking a lot about how male models don't make as much. It's interesting that they're pulling out kind of. I don't want to say I, I don't want to say, but they're trying to take the inverted stances on certain things or the inverted look at certain things that we see in society a lot of times. So 
A lot of times what we see is that women don't make as much as men on average in most careers. Well, there's one that maybe men might not make as much as women in. So they're they're showing that difference in that specifically. It was an interesting choice to do. I'm curious about all the ramifications of how they did that through here because there were some very curious interactions between the couple at the beginning that made me pause and think. <laughs> Yeah, because they do talk about gender roles, too, and, like, who pays for the bill at the yes. restaurant and stuff. Going back to the financial element of it is the, the man is the one who brings home the bacon and has the money and, and living up to these expectations. And this puts a stress and strain on him. He's like, hey, you said you'd pick up dinner last time. Well, she doesn't. <laughs> and he's sitting here. You get the impression that he may not have the money to keep on buying these dinners. Yeah. Yeah. And I was gonna say, like, the title of the movie, Triangle of Sadness, like, they refer to it in the beginning that it's like referring to like the triangle of your like your forehead for models where like, the brows get furrowed and stuff. And they say, like, if you take Botox, do a Botox surgery, like you won't have that triangle of sadness. Instead, it'll be like, no wrinkles and stuff. And it'd be a nice, beautiful model. But when I think about it, and how the movie is, uh, I would also say the triangle of sadness could be the three things of class, race and gender. Yeah, there. You think you got a good point there. <laughs> All three of those seem to be brought up here as well. Now, is the triangle of sadness itself um, a saying or a phrase that exists outside of of all of this the oh. film and whatnot? Do you, because that's yeah. the impression I got that this is referring to something else. Yeah, I mean, I mean, maybe in the fashion industry of models and such, and maybe they use that phrase, but I don't know. I did the uh, the googling to find out. This will never work. How Ruben Olstead pulled off his new the triangle of sadness is defined by filmmaker Ruben Olstead. Olst, yeah, a Swedish it? guy. Olstead is a term appropriated from the beauty industry, referring to the space between one's eyebrows where the struggle of life manifests as wrinkles. That is, if you don't have the money, power, and privilege to smooth them out with a quick procedure. I did not know that. That makes sense. So you bring up the Botox. If it's imperfect, yeah. <laughs> that's your triangle of sadness. How wealthy are you? Do you have a triangle of sadness? Yeah. Do I have a triangle of sadness? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then I guess uh, I'd say with the race thing, right? Like uh, it appears like it's like Somali pirates that sink the ship. And so like then the Russian capitalist guy, uh, he he never had met previously met uh, the, the guy who worked in the engine room that survived the shipwreck, who turns out to be a black guy. And so he immediately assumes that he is a pirate because he's black. And so, like, they have, like, an argument. No, no, I worked in in the engine room. You never saw me because I was working. <laughs> and he didn't believe him until eventually, like, the lady that was in charge of the upper-level staff, like, told them to stop fighting and all that. And she's an authority in the beginning after the shipwreck until Abigail uh, creates her matriarchal society. Yeah, she kind of takes control of the situation. Yeah, and I think it's interesting that you bring that up, too. Let's look back at that because this guy has depended on all of these people. All of these people to feed him, to clean up after him. At the end of the the oh, the oh he forgot how he got his money he, by selling shit. Oh yeah, he sells <laughs> shit. That's what he says. He, he apparently sells fertilizer. So I got two things that I want to address real quick. I I think I could go on about this movie for five hours. 
The selling of shit is interesting because he says it's all about time and place. He was there, the CEO, at the time of the fall of the Berlin Wall when capitalism came in. He was able to gobble everything up, buy it all up, and become one of the richest folks off of fertilizer. He says he sells shit. <laughs> That's his <laughs> phrase he walks around saying. And it's interesting, but at the same time, he has all this accumulated wealth and power. He is 100% dependent on all of these people around him, especially at this time where there isn't even the land beneath him. He relies on the engine room. He was going to allow these people to be fed. And when the, the, the giant kerfuffle is over after they've destroyed the ship with vomiting and messing it up and their meals and their decadence, you get this great brilliant scene of all the worker and class folks cleaning this shit up, cleaning up the vomit, cleaning up the food, doing all this work and labor necessary to clean up the mess that these wealthy people have left behind. And I feel that sums up the movie pretty well. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I like it. I feel that I can do this for hours on this movie. Are there any other elements that we need to touch on that we haven't yet? Ah, uh, well, well, it's interesting. Like the very end of the movie, you know, it's kind of left ambiguous, you know, mm -hmm. uh, where it's like Yaya is the name of the female model and Abigail, the head of the society of the survivors, like they go wandering around the island and they discovered like on the other side of these mountains on the island, is a rich resort, a luxury <laughs> resort. And, and in my mind, like I, I connected the dots with the White Lotus show on HBO Max. And I was like, oh, this could be a White Lotus resort hotel. And it, it's a shared universe, you know? <laughs> yeah. And what's brilliant is that you find out they were on a luxury resort the whole time when they thought they were stranded. What's interesting is 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 there's that realization when they find this thing. You have Abigail there, and she realized that she's going to have to go back to the current forms of stratification under capitalism, which pushed place her very low. Whereas she's the one with the skills to make everything happen. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like there's a resistance. Like I don't necessarily want to go back. And what the young model says is it yeah what's her name again oh yeah yeah is the name yeah, of the yeah. character well yeah yeah so well oh well, maybe it wants to be so bad maybe you can be my assistant when we get back she yeah. says to her so right now she's top of the top of the food chain but going back oh maybe you can be my assistant now yeah and and abigail seemed kind of torn about it well i guess one like she didn't know if she wanted to murder yaya or not <laughs> so what <laughs> about that but then also like uh like didn't want to go back to mainstream society she's like in charge of this tiny society but then also when you think about it being an assistant to yaya is probably a better job than like cleaning toilets on yep luxury yachts you know perhaps maybe yeah. not yeah, yeah. <laughs> And who knows, like, yeah, yeah, could have just been saying that at the moment and not actually meaning it, too. Yeah, there's a lot of that going on. Hey, I, I could come back and do three or four more episodes on this movie, I feel. I could just take minute by minute and go on about wow. it. And so I swear <laughs> you should watch it more than once, everybody. Watch it the first time, get it in your head, and then go through and look for the nuances. Because every time I'm watching this, there's more and more is popping out. It is a brilliant, it is an intentionally made film the narrative and message to it is one that we don't often see in film 
in a capitalist society. It reminds me more of some old Soviet films that I've seen than American films. Well, it's a Swedish film, so. <laughs> <laughs> it worked out. Yeah. Do you have anything else to add to this today? Uh, no, just uh, like in a way, like this film is part of a trifecta of like, including the menu, White Lotus, and this film. And it's all like uh, wealthy people on their luxury yachts and resorts and all that kind of stuff. Or, or like, you know, dinners like in the menu. And I've just started watching White Lotus, so oh. it's interesting. We may have to talk about it at some point in time on here. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, that's about all we have for today. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, uh, we'll be back next week with another episode of Anarchists and Androids. Every Sunday here, uh, popping up at 5 a.m. Uh, you can catch me here normally every day on the Wobblies and Wizards podcast. It's both coming out on the same stream. Parenthesis I, where can they find you on the internet? Oh, uh, parenthesis I.blogspot.com and at parenthesis I on Mastodon. Oh, everyone has their own rebellion. <laughs>